Our scripture reading today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Amen. Around the dinner tables this past Thursday, maybe perhaps in conversations in small groups, I, I'm sure the question was asked or posed, what are you thankful for? I have to imagine that the answers were varied. Some of you, some of you express thankfulness for, for health. It's been a year full of, of doctor's appointments in and out of the hospital, hearing news that your health wasn't so well, but this Thanksgiving day, you thank the Lord because you were healthy. For some of you, you were, you were thankful that you had time to spend with your families. You, your, your family has been scattered all year round and, and trying to find time to sit around the dinner table and to laugh with one another and to rejoice with one another, to hear about the successes and the failures that just wasn't afforded to you. But on this Thanksgiving day, you were with your family. And so you were thankful for family. Some, some were thankful for, for jobs, for employment. It's been a year of, of struggle and trying to figure out when is the Lord going to provide. But this Thanksgiving morning, you sat around that table and you saw God's faithfulness. And you were thankful that that morning you were employed. The Lord had provided a way. Oh, there are so many, there, the, the stories are endless. We can go on and on about all of the, the, the things that we are thankful for. So when you think about it, really, that question, what are you thankful for, isn't a difficult question to answer. This is especially true for the Christian. We are a people that have much to be thankful for. I think one could really make the case that, that Thanksgiving is really a Christian holiday. I mean, really, we are to give thanks always, and so we don't need uh, a holiday to do it, but, but to, to set aside a day to give thanksgiving and, and praise to God is a Christian idea. For to be truly thankful is to acknowledge the source from whom all blessings flow. It is one thing to be thankful for health, but it is another thing entire, entirely to give thanks to the one who sustains and keeps your life so that you have the good health that you are thankful for. It is one thing to be thankful for a, a job, but it is, it, it is not your company that you should be ultimately thanking, your employer that you should be thanking. Your thanksgiving should be directed towards the one who provides and meets all of your needs. 
job is just the means God uses to provide. He ought to be the one who receives glory. This is why I love the, the childhood song, um, Johnny Appleseed. If you heard the song before, we used to, we used to sing it with, with children right before we, we gave thanks for the meal that we were about to eat. The Lord's been good to me. And so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. The Lord's been good to me. You know what Johnny, Johnny Appleseed recognized? He looked around and he saw all of these wonderful trees full of apples and he gave thanks to God. He gave thanks to God for the sun and the rain and the apple seeds that produced all of these wonderful apple, apple trees. Oh, he gave praise and thanksgiving to the source. So when you think about it, Christians like Worship are those who give thanksgiving rightly. Because worship rightly expressed, as we've learned on Wednesday evenings in our study through worship, is, is God and Christ-centered. And thanksgiving that is rightly expressed has the same focus. We need not articulate this idea in an arrogant manner that Christians offer thanksgiving rightly, we, we seek to say that with all humility, knowing that it is Holy Spirit that is at work in our hearts that allows us to even express such a truth. What separates Christian thanksgiving from the thanksgiving of others is that you and I ultimately thank God for the gifts of, of faith and hope that he has granted to us. And guess what? Every day, you and I have reason to thank him because you do understand that faith and hope is where we live. We live every day believing in something and hoping for something. Everyone lives this way. People believe in, in, in money and and they believe in other religions, and, and, and most people believe in themselves. Everybody places their trust somewhere every single day, whether they realize it or not. And hope? No one survives one minute without hope. It's what gets you up in the morning. It's what causes you to put one foot in front of the other. Your, your hope is that the next second is going to be better or more pleasurable than this current second that you are enduring. Faith and hope, brothers and sisters, is where we live. And if you contemplate it for a moment, just for a second, if you were to, to think about it, you would conclude that in a world full of sin and sorrow and, and, and suffering, you and I need faith and hope. We need it. And that is the context of our text this morning. Apostle Paul is, is telling the Corinthians about 
the suffering that he has been enduring. He and his fellow missionaries have, have suffered a great deal. Paul's life has not been an easy one. And, and this always gets me as I, when I read back in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul's, Paul's context here. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers. We do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Here is the Apostle Paul who talks so much about joy. Here he is in a moment of, of feeling overwhelmed, overwhelmed, and dealing with the suffering and the struggles of life. So overwhelmed that he says we were at the point of despair. Paul, like all of us, was dealing with the challenges of living out and being faithful to his calling in a sinful world. It's difficult and hard, but Paul had found some encouragement. He'd found some, some, a source where he, 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 it, it, it produced within him joy and, and an expectation of hope. He was, in, he was encouraged. And listen to what he says prior to the verses in our text this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Do you, do you hear the words there of, of the Apostle Paul? This is a heart of a, of a man who was not given in. Despair is, is crouching at his door, but he, he, he's not answered the door. Paul goes on, uh, Paul, Paul is tapped into a source of joy that, that doesn't run dry. He has been encouraged to press on. And where does this encouragement come from? Where does, where does Paul find the source of this encouragement? Well, Paul goes to where we all should go when we need encouragement. He goes to the Word of God. He goes to the Psalm. The Psalms speak so greatly to, uh, they're such a wonderful source of encouragement in our time of, of dealing with the, with the world and the struggles and the suffering that we endure. They are drenched with emotion, drenched with, with words that help to encourage us along on the journey. Our New Testament text this morning really is an, it is an Old Testament reference Paul goes to the Psalms for his weary soul and finds encouragement, and he finds the words of David, who himself was dealing with the struggles of life. It was a near-death experience, to be exact. And he recited the words of David when David says in Psalm 116 and 10, I believed, and so I spoke. David had found solace, solace in the one in whom he believed. Once again, reminding us that all of us, all of us, that, that, that faith and hope is where we live. And so, as Christians, we give 
thanks. We are thankful for faith and for hope. Faith and hope. We're thankful for the gift of faith. As Christians, we deal with life, the struggles and the ups and downs, yet through it all, we can be thankful for the gift of faith. But, but brothers and sisters, this is not just any faith. The focus is not on your inner ability and wherewithal to trust someone or something. The type of faith that Paul has in mind, the type of faith I'm speaking of is not rooted in yourself. It's not in your intelligence or, or your power, your ability to hang on. The belief Paul has in mind in this text is a belief and a trustworthiness that's rooted in someone outside of ourselves. Jesus is where our faith is rooted. We believe, we trust in him. Now this right here is significant because what Paul is doing is not grounding our belief in a fly-by-night idea. Listen to what he says in verse 13 of our text. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also spoke. Paul is essentially saying here that his belief is rooted in the same belief that carried and sustained David. In other words, the one in whom I trust has been tried, tested, and proved. Songwriter says, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. This is what we as Christians can be thankful for, brothers and sisters. We have a faith that is not fleeting. Faith that we can trust. Get this, brothers and sisters, our trust is in the same God who split the Red Sea so that the children of Israel could walk through it on dry land. Our trust is in the same God who, who brought the children of Israel into the promised land, defeating all of their enemies. When David sought the Lord, he sought the same God we prayed to. When, when Abraham faith was accounted to him as righteousness, that is the same faith that saves you and I. Our faith, our faith is in the one who promised he would send a redeemer to save his people, and he did. Brothers and sisters, we do not have a fly-by-night faith. It has been tested, tried, and proved. And this is why it is important that you and I know our Bibles, brothers and sisters. 
is why it is important that we just don't sing songs that were written a week ago, but we sing songs that were written a hundred years ago. We stand on the shoulders of faithful men and women who have proved him over and over, and we get to read and hear about their testimonies. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but when I come into the fellowship of the saints, I want to hear the accounts of the men and the women who have believed God and found him faithful. I want to, I want to hear I want to hear about women like Esther and Mary, who in the face of just what seemed like, um, it, it just didn't seem like it was possible, like it was going to work, but, but they said, you know what? God said it, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to trust in him. I want to hear the, uh, the accounts of, of early church fathers like, like Polycarp. Who, who early in the first, first, first century was, 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 was persecuted because of his faith. And he was about to be burned. He was going to be burned at the stake. And, and he could save himself if he would just recount what he believed. But listen to what Polycarp said. Eighty and six years I have served him. And he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? I want to hear about faith like that in the midst of facing uh, 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 death. I would place a, my faith in Jesus. Oh, I need to hear about these things, brothers. I need to hear about, brothers and sisters, about your faith. This is why we don't forsake the assembling together. When we come into the fellowship, I want to hear your stories about how this week you were struggling, how, how, how it was difficult, and you believed the Lord, and you held on, and you, you pressed firm because you believed in Jesus. I need to hear that. We all need to hear that because faith and hope is where we live, brothers and sisters. David. Paul believed in God's promise of salvation. We too believe. We too have faith because that faith is rooted in Christ. Same, same faith that David trusted in, trusted in, the same faith that Paul trusted in, same faith, uh, uh, faith that all the apostles, Esther, Mary, all, all of them, all of them, the same faith you and I trust in. That's the faith that we are thankful for. It is the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We're also thankful. We're thankful for the gift of hope. The gift of hope. We have already discussed the necessity of hope. No one, no one lives without it. Someone has said, what oxygen is for the lungs, such as hope for the meaning of human life. But like faith, some hopes are futile. They are temporary hopes. They may sustain you for today, but, but to, not, not, not for tomorrow. The hope 
that we as Christians are thankful for is a sure hope and it is a glorious hope. It is the hope that drove the Apostle Paul and it is the hope that ought to drive us. The hope that we have as Christians is a resurrection that leads to eternal life. That's where our hope rests, 2 Corinthians 4 and 14 in our text, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. When you and I, when you and I breathe our last, it is not the end. Better, better things await us. Each day, you and I wake up when we, when, we, when, we, when we lift up our head from that pillow and place our feet on that ground, heaven is beckoning us. It's beckoning us. It's, it's the saying, come, come. Oh, the promise of heaven cries out to us daily. And you know what that should cause you to do? It should cause us to, to live and to walk rightly. That should produce within us uh, an expectation, uh, a longing, so that, so that our, our days are filled with joy. The Apostle Peter, when he was speaking about the, the resurrection and the, the hope and, of, of the resurrection in his, in his letter, his first letter in the first chapter, he is he's expounding on the, the glories that will be ours in Christ Jesus. And he gets verse 8, and says, though we have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And what do you do? You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is what Peter uh, followed up his, his explanation of, of the resurrection with. He was fit, caused him to be filled with joy as he contemplated this hope that we as believers have. Oh, it is a, it is a sure hope and it is a glorious hope. It's sure. It's sure, Paul says, that he knows he knows he will be raised from the dead because Jesus was raised from the dead. And he who raised him is going to raise us. <laughs> sure. 1 Thessalonians 4.14, he says this to them as well. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Brothers and sisters, there is no more solid hope than the hope of the resurrection. Paul makes this point in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15. He argues that Jesus was raised from the dead and appeared first to the apostles and then to 500 witnesses. This surety means that we too will be raised because Jesus is the first fruits and then we come. And then to drive the point home further, he says, listen, do you understand that if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then you and I have no hope. We believe in vain. We might as well eat, 
drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Oh, Jesus is our only hope. And because he raised from the dead, we too shall be raised. And those who put their trust in him have the sure hope of resurrection. And that sure hope of resurrection, brothers and sisters, changes everything. Changes everything. It did for our dear sister, Joni Erickson Tata, who at 17 was, was paralyzed and became a quadriplegic. And listen to what she says, reflecting on this life of suffering that she has and the hope of the resurrection. She says, I sure hope I can bring this wheelchair to heaven. Now, I know that's not theologically correct, but I hope to bring it and put it in a little corner of heaven. And then in my new, perfect, glorified body, standing on grateful, glorified legs, I'll stand next to my Savior, holding his nail-pierced hands. I'll say, thank you, Jesus. And he will know that I mean it because he knows me. He'll recognize me from the fellowship we're now sharing in his sufferings. And I will say, Jesus, do you see that wheelchair? You were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble. Because that thing was a lot of trouble. But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. It never would have happened that you, had you not given me the bruising of the blessing of that wheelchair. Then the real ticker tape parade of praise will begin. And all of earth will join in the party. And at that point, Christ will open up our eyes and the great foundation of joy in his heart for us beyond all that we have ever experienced on earth. And when we're able to stop laughing and crying, the Lord Jesus will really wipe away our tears. I find it so poignant that finally, at the point when I do have the use of my arms to wipe away my own tears, I won't have to because God will. You see, the resurrection changes everything. Changed everything for Joni. She's living this life with a joy. She's got an expectant, sure hope that one day that wheelchair will be no more. She will have her glorified body. Oh, this is a sure hope that you and I have. But it's not just a sure hope. And Joni gets, gets at it. It is a glorious hope. It is a glorious hope. Paul says, we will be raised and brought into the presence of Jesus. Here is the wonderful truth. We just don't have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of being with Jesus. 
Listen to me, brothers and sisters. If you get to heaven and Jesus is not there, you are not in heaven. You need to check the name on the door. Heaven is not heaven without Jesus. We will be ushered into his presence. This is what the Apostle Paul was looking forward to when he, when he says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul saw that as his ultimate end, that he was going to be with Jesus. This, this, I believe, are the words that Lemuel Haynes penned when he, the, the, the pastor up in Connecticut in the 1700s, late 1700s, when he said, Christ is my all. His blood is my only hope of acceptance. My pains are great, but blessed be God. They are not eternal. I long to be in heaven. Oh, why was Paul and Lemuel Haynes so bent on being with Jesus? Because in the presence of Jesus, there is fullness of joy. No more sin. <laughs> no, no more sadness. Just joy with Jesus. Oh, this is the hope. This is the hope, brothers and sisters, that gets you through difficult days when you are tempted to despair. We are encouraged that we have a sure and a glorious hope. See, brothers and sisters, faith and hope is where we live. And that is why we are thankful as Christians. You realize that every morning you and I wake up our faith is tested. Every morning we wake up, it, our faith is tested. We are, are tempted to place it in something that doesn't last. Our hope is tried. But we, by God's grace, are a people that offer thanksgiving rightly. Yes, 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 we, we thank God for the numerous blessings that he gives us. Jobs and strength and health and, and food on the table. We, we pray that every morning. Lord, thank you for the many blessings that you give to us. Food on the table, clothing, and, and, and a shelter. But ultimately, we are thankful for the gift of faith and hopes that comes to us through grace. And it keeps us pressing on. Grace, grace paid for all my sins and brought me to life. Grace calls me with power to do what is right. Grace, grace, grace will lead me to heaven where I'll see your face. And what will we do? We'll never cease to thank you for your grace. That's thanksgiving to the glory of God. God's Grace shown to us in his gifts of faith and hope redound to his glory and praise. And when you understand from where your faith and hope come, 
you give thanks and you give praise to God. And as more and more people experience God's grace, the more and more people express thanksgiving rightly. And the more and more people express thanksgiving rightly, the more glory God receives. That's Paul's point in verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Is what caused Paul to press on with his mission. Through all the suffering and all his struggle and the heartache, it's, it's what caused him to press on. Paul desired to see the glory of God spread throughout the ends of the earth. That's what drove him. He says, we believe and so we speak. So that others might come to know the faith and the hope that comes from a gracious God to undeserving sinners. When men and women, brothers and sisters, experience that grace, that amazing grace that comes to undeserving sinners, they never cease to thank God for his grace. And do we get the glory? No. God gets all the glory. And that's our chief end, is it not? Is that not what our chief end is? Is that not what our purpose on this earth is? Is it not to glorify God and to enjoy him forever? When we fulfill our chief end by giving thanks to God for his grace and praying that God's grace would spread to more and more, so that thanksgiving would increase to God's glory. We are fulfilling the purpose that we have here on earth. That's thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to the glory of God. Give thanks, brothers and sisters, with a grateful heart and give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his only son. We give thanks to the glory of God, for he gave us the gift of faith and the gift of hope. Let's pray.